This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome to episode 127 of the Half Business Podcast. We're back to our regular scheduled program. My friend and co-host, Mr. Porkenauer, is back from a, a wonderful holiday around the South Island. How are you, Pat? Kia ora, Dan. I am good. I've got my winter tan, as you may have spotted. It's very me. It's uh, it's definitely a different sort of colour than my usual sort of grey-green skin. Um, it's good to be back. It feels like a long time since we sat down and recorded it it is it's um look it's it's kind of been two and a half three weeks isn't it so you know it's we've got a lot to talk about a lot to catch up on we're still only kind of almost at the kind of the midway point with these Star Wars reviews but I hope everyone's been enjoying them just as a bit of something a little bit different it's always good when we sort of get to use up some of our buffer episodes because then I'm thinking oh we get to do some more because I love the deep dives um yeah it's no it's good to be back it was great great holiday anyone who's Living in the North Island hasn't been that far south, the deep south, Invercargill, Oamaru, Timaru. Honestly, these places, there's a little hidden gem in every little corner of New Zealand. I cannot recommend it enough. Good. Give me your number one highlight for someone who maybe hasn't been to New Zealand before on your trip. What was what would it be? Oh, that would be tough. That would be... I'm going to give a, an honourable mention and then a number one, as we do. Uh, I would go with it. an honourable mention of Lake Takapo, which is a, a beautiful, quiet lake in the middle of the of the mountains. It's just peaceful there, just lots of nice walks and views and amazing sunrises. Um, but my 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 number one, I need to say my peak performance. My number one would would definitely be going into the, the um, Oraki National Park, Mount Cook, the into into seeing all of those mountains and we were there in the peak of like we were in like snow that was half a meter up on us building snowmen and and just going across like there's all the silence of the mountains and then all of a sudden you get to a river and the river just sounds like the loudest thing you've ever heard in your in your life because the silence of the mountains it was just absolutely spectacular it's definitely a beautiful part of the country did you get a little bit of a yellowstone vibes as you were I did, around. and I know you've been to uh, a couple of these places too, Dan, so I, I wondered if you picked up on the similar sort of vibe. There's that, there's, it's a majestic, the landscape, just mm. the, 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 the the sheer scale of it, and the, the again, it's just something about the, the quiet and the peace. You could see John Dutton just sitting down, you know, next to one of these lakes. Great stuff, Paul. Well, you know, even though you've been you're having a great time, living your best life, I hope you've been watching a few TV shows and movies what have you been watching this week? I've been watching so much because I came back from nine days away and actually still had a few days annual leave. So we did some binging, which we haven't done for a while. Pop quiz then. Thinking back to our first podcast of the year, do you remember my number one top TV show for 2021? Oh, was it, uh, was it Picard? <laughs> No, that was terrible. And I'm going to talk oh, about okay. how terrible it was later as well. No, it was uh, it was season two of For All Mankind. Oh, of course and, it was. Um, <laughs> of course it was. And um, so season three episodes 
uh, have started dropping on Apple TV. They're not all out yet. So I wanted to do a rewatch of one and two. Diana hadn't seen one and two the first time around. This was a mammoth rewatch, Dan. So each episode is like just over an hour and there's 20 episodes. So, you know, you're sitting there almost for a full calendar day, 24 hours, you know. So for anyone who hasn't heard me talk about it before, this is all about an alternate history where the Soviet Union are the first to land on the moon. And that's how NASA and the United States uh, as a government and as a nation respond to that. And I cannot put into words how much I enjoyed this rewatch. This may also have been tempered by the fact that I was watching it whilst on annual leave, which always ups the uh, enjoyment factor because you go to bed and think, oh, I might watch an episode in the morning. Um, but next to, you know, of the rewatches I can think of that have been up there, next to Better Call Saul and maybe Battlestar Galactica, I place this as my most enjoyable rewatch of all time. Um, I feel like I feel like this timeline, this alternate timeline, almost feels real, more real to me now. It's like the events of this series are more real somehow. They're, they're certainly a lot more exciting than what's happened in our universe uh, from a space point of view. But it's just incredible. And so I remember when you originally talked about the series, obviously it had been a bit of a, a slow burn. Um, it, was it still good to watch, what, even though it is a slow burn? Like, or was it better because you're kind of just you know, episode after episode kind of pushing on through? A bit of both. I think the better part of it was sort of watching it, you know, with someone. So sort of because, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. There, are, This isn't for everyone. You know, you could be a big space nerd or, you know, you could have a telescope and have all the NASA posters, but it may not be for you. <laughs> It may not be for everyone because it is, it's a very deliberate slow pace. Um, but for me, that helps build everything because you go on an emotional journey with these characters over uh, over the course of these two seasons. Uh, you, you go on a, a journey from for two decades from, you know, sort of 69 and then it sort of ends in the... Uh, mid 80s i suppose so maybe it's just less than 20 years but uh it's it's just there's something about it i mean if you're listening to this podcast now and you're hearing me talk about names like like uh, gordo and tracy stevens ellen ellen wilson margot madison ed baldwin deke slayton if, if these names are bringing a smile to your face you've been on this journey too and you exist in this universe with me um, it just ticks so many boxes. It's uh, Ronald D. Moore, who created, you know, the the Battlestar Galactica that you and I both love. Movie quality effects. Um, and what's fascinating about it is, is that it's the losing the space race to getting to the moon is what makes the Americans even more determined to be successful, and it's what drives the whole whole show. We've got a New Zealander as top billing, um, Michael Dorman, who who plays um, Gordo Stevens, uh, Joel. Kinnaman um, from, oh my goodness, there you so go, yep. uh, Sarah Jones. There's there's a lot of great casting in this. I tried to ensure that I came to this podcast. I wanted to have, I, I knew there was a word that would do justice to what this show is like to watch and to experience. And at first I, I sort of went, I had things like oh, epic and extravaganza, spectacle and anthology. But in the end, none of those really quite captured it. The word I went with for me is odyssey which when you look at the dictionary definition is a long and eventful or adventurous journey or experience. And so, you know, obviously space odyssey, this, this truly is what it is. It, it solidifies my 
opinion that it was my number one show for for 2021 and yeah so in two weeks time is when i'm and i'll be coming back into this pod down with season three it's got a big you know it's got a lot to follow to keep up with um and this is so season three we'll be going through the 90s and now now the the goal is mars and to put you know men on mars humans on mars sorry and so, sorry, Paul, are you watching season three now as it drops or are you saving up season we three? We may have watched a couple, but um, okay. yeah, there's there's uh, yeah, there's 10 episodes again. Um, we may have watched a couple, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk about season three in one go because I, I honestly, at the same time, I can't recommend this enough. I'm really hitting a huge asterisk and saying, I know this isn't for everyone. I've spoken to a few people at my workplace and sort of they sort of said, Oh, what are you watching? And I talk about this and oh, I watched a few episodes and I just didn't really get going, did it? And I'm I keep thinking about the conversation you and I have about Yellowstone with that first sort of opener. And if if you if you if you just hang on for a uh, you know, it's it's there's something about the fact that it's slow that when it ramps up, it means so much more. You really are invested in because yes, it's uh, you know, yes, it's the characters who are going to space, but it's the husbands and the wives and the kids of the people at NASA as well, and it's um, the lives that you follow in this series that give it depth um, that that just no other science-driven show has ever given. Anyway, I'm rambling. When you started this rewatch, or you, you were talking about how season three was dropping, I tried to get uh, this as a rewatch in, in my household, but it was uh, I played the trailer for the wife not approved Paul she was like this is not for me I didn't even think she got through the whole trailer so I unfortunately couldn't get it on the the viewing schedule but I'm still very much kind of remain interested I think some of the the ways that you describe this kind of the the long-term payoff like I love the cast it, it does seem kind of interesting so I do hope to one day get to this TV the show. equivalent of slow burn and sort of if you think about how we talk about Bosch or how we talked about 1883 sort of quietly moves along but there's a powerful emotional it's that's that's it for me it's uh but yeah if if you like uh you know science or, or if you enjoyed the movie first man or apollo 13 or space travel any of that uh, there's a there's a good chance that you would get something out of this i don't own a telescope but i one day i will give this a go well I, i'm gonna go on the record here because it may change but um i've I don't know. I've had joint Christmas presents with with my wife sometimes. You know, if we were on a big present, or sometimes the kids have had a joint uh, present. You know, um, but this Christmas, at the moment, at time of recording, my daughter is wanting a telescope for Christmas, and I would also like a telescope. So I'm thinking, well, maybe if we put our two Christmas presents together, we can get a decent one. So I may be a telescope owner, and that's the that's the that's the final check for me. I love it. You've reached a peak for all mankind. We'll see if it happens, but um, yeah, that's so. That's on Apple TV, and as I say, if you honestly, I think the one thing I would say is going straight in from one to two and down to three. Just how we've talked about with many series, this is a, you really benefit uh, from doing it in one go because you see the changes as they happen. You, you know, you're, you're jumping from these are the same characters you're seeing in them in the late sixties, the seventies, the eighties, and now season three is moving to the nineties and it's a fascinating, you, you really are following their entire lives. Very good. I feel like I'm going to take over this entire podcast today, Dan, because the other thing I need to talk about is something else I'm passionate about. And you touched on it before. Um, cause 
The last two seasons of live action Star Trek have left me underwhelmed. Season two of Picard, very underwhelming. Season three of Discovery. And there's nothing worse than watching one of your favorite franchises or universe bring out new content that when you see it, it doesn't fill you with the same joy as, as the rest of it. So it would be like if you and I had just watched Obi-Wan Kenobi and we came out of it and it was just rubbish. It's, you know, how did we feel? It's not like it's something that you've tried and it was no good. This is this is a series. It's part of uh, something you, you care about and it's with you forever because um, you're part of that cult. Um, and so this is Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1. Paul, I've got a, a very special treat for you today. I have also watched Strange New Worlds. <laughs> so I, I'm going to join you on a, a joint review what of this one. What an absolute treat. That's amazing. And you didn't even tell me. I, I've i been saving it up. I, the whole time through, I was like, shall I Snapchat Paul and show I'm watching it? I'm like, no, I'll save it for the pod. Oh, this will be a special treat. Just amazing. For the Here we go. Season one, uh, Strange New Worlds. Uh, well, this is amazing. Okay, so... This, this is why my recent review that I did a couple of pods ago of, of, of season one of the 90s Star Trek series Voyager a few weeks back was such a delight for me because um, that's what I have with this season one of Strange New Worlds. So this is um, a prequel to the original series. Um, so it takes place just before Kirk and Spock and Scotty and Sulu and McCoy and all the rest of the gang are on the Enterprise. This is the same ship, but under the captaincy of Christopher Pike. And of course, it follows on from the original pilot from the original 1960s show that was never actually used. Um, that's the the whole, uh, what's the word, legend behind it all. Dan, what do you think? I'll tell you, Paul, I absolutely loved it. This was a fantastic. Uh, look, you know, I've had a bit of a, a mixed bag experience with Star Trek. Like, I've enjoyed the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, I had I watched the Star Trek movies based on your recommendations. I, I largely enjoyed those. I've watched the, I, I've watched various episodes. I probably over my whole entire lifetime of um, the original series um so i sort of know bits and pieces and when i tried to sort of start doing a, a full rewatch it actually started with this pike episode on um netflix so it kind of gave me a little bit of context there but as someone kind of just like jumping in knowing kind of the bare bones not knowing the deep lore had a fantastic time can't wait for season two has got me kind of re-interested in a little bit of star trek i don't think you know into the full uh, gambit of tv shows but it's at least got me kind of like oh, i might go back and check out the the jj movies um i'm kind of interested in like finding out a bit more about these characters there was definitely a few moments and there's a few kind of criticisms that i probably could make overall but in general this is a show that has really sat with me um i've been thinking about it a lot i've been looking forward to discussing it i think this kind of hit the sweet spot for me of um kind of the the life and experiences aboard the, the the Enterprise. And I think there were some really strong episodes here. Yeah. Oh, look, and I'll be interested to hear the criticisms as well because I think it's good to have all all facets explored. I What's interesting is you asked me a question a long time ago about, you know, oh, if you're a new fan wanting to jump in somewhere in Star Trek. And I actually think this is 100% my answer of where to begin now. This, this 
unless unless you really want to go back to the 60s and, and and revisit the original series i think this is as good a place as any and and the reason for that is it's it's episodic so it's not serialized you know so you know you've got those underlying themes and acts that you can still tune into um as you go through the series but each episode has its own what they would call like a bottle episode story you know you, you can sit down and watch any episode and get a story out of it and there'll be some things you pick up along the way it's kind of i guess with the with the little axle along the way it kind of the, the, the most obvious thing i can think of is like an x files you know you'd have like an alien of the week but there would be the underlying big story underneath and i can't explain how much i've missed that about Star Trek, because when I think back to Next Generation, which is my number one show of all time, I can pick out specific episodes by episode title and go back and rewatch those episodes. And I think that's something that Doctor Who's done well um, with the relaunch, uh, you know, in two thousand five. But Trek hasn't done it so well. They haven't done episodic since, um, well, since Scott Bakula was captain of the Enterprise. So it's been a long while. Yeah, I think that's sort of one of the things that kind of made it. Uh, a good experience for me because, as I say, like the my kind of scaffolding around the Star Trek universe is, is fairly light, but I was able to kind of like I knew enough or I could Google something quick enough to kind of like place the timeline or, or what was happening. And where I found maybe an episode I didn't enjoy so much, it wasn't really a big deal because, you know, the next episode was kind of a bit of a – it's going to be a different story, so – it, it wasn't too much of a, a, a burden to bear, sort of thinking, oh, there's going to be a whole season yes, of, that's right. of this. You know it's going to be done within the um, episode. And, it, I, you know, it really just got me thinking about the the wider timeline. And I think, and I know that you've got some mixed experiences with um, Discovery, but that probably did feel like, oh, is that something I should actually go back and give another go to? Because enjoying this so much, that's sort of been the the next most modern TV show. Yeah. Um, kind of felt like it could be a, a good jump but i think there's a there's a lot to enjoy here i'm really interested in i guess from a, a star trek fans point of view um how well this all like like did this work for you and did this live up to all your kind of expectations and well i i think to put it into context of all trek i can say two things one this is the best live action trek season for me since season three of enterprise and that would have been in 2004 um and then secondly this is the best first season because often i talk about star trek's you know like next generation terrible first season deep space nine terrible for this is the best first season of any live action trek series since the original series in 66 by a country mile for me and that's so pleasing that they've just hit the ground running really well I think the 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 coolest thing of this whole show, Paul, is I think Pike's hair. Oh, incredible! Pike has got the best, like his hair. Like that is the hair of dreams. Like when I think about as I get older, Paul, I want my hair to go grey. And if I have hair as good as Christopher Pike, life goals complete. Incredible! Yeah. Oh, he he his hair has changed somewhat from what it originally looked like when he obviously in the crosshair in Discovery. But it's mm. and when you first see it, you're like. Wow, and now I can't imagine him with any other hair, and it's going to be a real problem if I see Anson Mount and anything else. Because, and can I just say, Anson Mount as Pike, he gives one of the all-time great captains. That will be a role that will define him. Just as we've talked about Kevin Costner as John Dutton, for me, he rocks this role. He has some great one-liners. 
for me, he's right up there with like a you know like a Picard or Janeway in terms of all time favorite captains. Um, I, I feel like I've just been waiting for the show since since before I moved to New Zealand over twenty years ago. I just I, I just can't explain. And obviously, I'm going to have to talk a, a couple of spoilers here. But um, you know, the episode where they brought back the uniform from the original movies. You know, so the maroon uniform from the wrath of Khan, search for spark and so on i i want a series based in that era just for the uniform alone there's something about that it's just uh incredible and that that was obviously part of the finale which for me was a, a great season finale and as you say can't wait for season two um there's definitely some characters which like some of the characters kind of grew on me and some i kind of found a little bit um frustrating mm-hmm. at times and even though i like overall really enjoyed um captain pike i did find him a little bit like flat at times and sometimes his i I know you're giving me the face of like don't you dare talk (laughs) about my captain like that in the sense of just in terms of like like his emotion didn't often change in different scenes like he was he was always and maybe this is just a captain thing but he was very very kind of like mono calm in most situations and it, it kind of it kind of always surprised me. Um, and then the other thing that kind of, and this isn't unique to Star Trek, it's kind of riddled through TV shows and movies, is I kind of just hate how everyone has to have a bad attitude towards their other crewmates. Like, in particular, I don't have her name right in front of me here, but the person in charge of security. Oh, um, Lan Noonien Singh. Yeah. Yeah, like... Why do you have to have a chip on your shoulder? You know, like I just feel like, and because I think you know, you're in the Enterprise, you're you're a main character if you're in the big circle bit. (laughs) Ships ships flipping around, Klingons on the starboard bow, like all sorts of things are happening. And I feel sorry for all these other like you know drone people and the rest of the ship going about their business. Oh God, why is the ship turning upside down? Like they've got no idea what's happening. Um, because like unless you're kind of in the, you know, one of the six or seven sort of core people on the deck, um, they just kind of seem like do do we even need those people? But it's I guess you, you kind of do need the cannon fodder. But it just frustrated me that particularly that character um was always kind of short and sharp with people and it just didn't it didn't feel warranted. I feel like you're part of what do they call it? Ball Space Fleet Federation, okay, whatever it is. Now I know you're trolling me. Space Fleet Federation. You know the big circle thing's called the bridge. I swear I'm going to hit the record, hit the pause button, and drive to your house at this rate. On the flip side, I I actually really enjoyed. Like I enjoyed the um, uh, Dr. M. M. Yes. Like he was like a fascinating yes. character. I loved um, Nurse Chapel. Seemed really interesting. Um, I I love Spock. I love Spock's wife. Like it, it kind of almost kind of gave me a lot more sort of like character development, and it kind of left me thinking about, oh, when are we are we going to get to see Scotty? Yes. Are we going to get to see some Klingons in this? And it kind of it got me thinking about old school Star Trek, and then how this might integrate with this timeline, particularly when you kind of think about, you know, Pike having these visions around what his future is going to be, what's going to happen to him. And actually will this kind of divert the course. And then obviously I'm, I'm talking full spoilers now. There's that moment where future Pike comes in and he's kind of got the uniform from like maybe the fourth movie where they go to earth pool. What's that one called? Voyage home. First contact or something. Voyage home. That's structure. I thought that was pretty cool. Even though, 
Okay. Even though I didn't quite know the whole sort of thing, I I, I felt like I've got some pieces that are kind of coming together yeah. for me. Oh, full, full spoilers. I'm, I'm killing every Star yeah, Trek oh, fan right now. They're just like, oh, God, I, I want, please run into the mailbag. I am... Um, there's some things now, I mean, like the, the final episode, as you mentioned, and then you, you're in the Jeffrey's tube crawling around and you can hear a Scottish accent and you know exactly who that is, but they know, they don't show it. That was nicely done. Um, Spock, Ethan Peck as Spock, he is another standout for me, absolutely um, nails that role, makes it his own, doesn't attempt to um, go in a Leonard Nimoy direction too far, which I thought was really good. Other than Spock, as you said, Nurse Chapel, we have... Uh, and Uhura, they're the, they're the other three from the original series. But the rest of the bridge crew, the circle thing, they're they're not from the original series. They're they're um you know they're all new characters. But that may change in season two or beyond, of course. But the new characters, um, so Christina Chong, who played the chief of security uh, that you were just talking about, uh, who you may recognise from Line of Duty, also from Doctor Who, uh, she despite her chip on the shoulder, I, I thought she shone in that role. Melissa Navia as um, Ortega's um, at the helm. I thought she was a... She was one of my favourite. One of my yeah, favourites. really, really good. I, re- I real really enjoyed attitude it. And just um, brought a real modern edge to the Star Trek universe, which I thought was good. The theme tune based on the 60s theme, the special effects, um, but more than anything, just brilliant new original stories as you would have experienced, some of them full-on comedy episodes, some of them more action, some of them emotional journeys. Um, yeah, there's 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 so much gold in there. Um, and then, of course, you know they introduce Kirk, and we get to see Pike and Kirk have these conversations that modern-day audiences always knew must have happened back in the original series era. You know, back in the sixties, but we we'd never dreamt that we'd ever see it happen on screen because, of course, that was all back then. I think um, a couple of standout episodes for me, Paul. Um, so all those who wander. So episode yes. nine kind of had a, like some great like alien homages yes. in there, and then I think the the final episode of the season, Equality of Mercy, was just so good, and it just left me wanting season two immediately. Oh, I couldn't agree more. All those who wander got a bit of fan backlash for being too on the nose for being a you know too much alien or, or whatever but i just felt they took it in a, in a really good direction and you know just wrapping it all up within the course of you know what's generally i think around 50 minutes or so you know it's i just thought it was really well done great tv show i really enjoyed it i i was waiting till all 10 episodes were out so it was a, a great oh, binge nice. over two or three yep. nights yeah i was i was doing this one weekly as i may have hinted at before and um it's uh there's something about some shows doing it weekly like the star wars series that we do that for me for this universe i'm quite happy to have that week to let it uh percolate and and then really but yeah my goodness if it been if it was all there in one go i'd have to take annual leave or something <laughs> how do you feel about the 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 Kirk like I know there's been a bit of backlash online about people not not liking the Kirk. I, I found like it it was fine for me. I didn't didn't cause me any sort of sleepless nights or anxiety. But I imagine for many it's probably a bit on the nose. I think he was really really good. I think there are very few actors in this world who can come in and play Kirk after Shatner and Chris Pine is a rare breed. He is absolutely able to walk the line of Shatner-esque 
and it's a dangerous line to walk, but he does it so, so well. He's fantastic. But I don't think there's many other people that could come in and do that. And so the way Paul Wesley came in and played this role, I thought was perfect because he differentiated himself enough, but he kept the same values as Kirk, the same attitudes and the same impulsiveness and lack of patience and all all of the traits without trying to go in, in the in the direction that would you know take us down a certain path and i think that was the, the maybe what i was trying to say about ethan packer's spock was they just they they were true to the characters um if you saw a description of the characters but had never watched the character on screen previously that was how they played it and i think that's the perfect way to do it i think you know i sort of said this at the start but this was the the perfect entry point for me into sort of raising my my interest in in Star Trek a little bit further and I think you know like you said before it's if you haven't got into this universe and you you're looking to sort of try it I think this is this is the perfect show to do it because it it's just so well put together you can tell like they've got a great budget for the sets that the characters are interesting and as I say if there's an episode you don't like stick it out to the next one because it'll be a slightly different story and, and maybe one that will work for you just while I'm talking, Dan, Google the words Gorn, Star Trek, Gorn, G-O-R-N. And so there was a couple of episodes where they talk about the Gorn and they're this much feared um, species and they reference it all the time about how dangerous they are. We've only ever seen the Gorn properly in in one episode and that was the original series where the Gorn fights Kirk and the Gorn in the original series, as you can see there, it makes Bosch from The Empire Strikes Back look really spectacular it's a classic 60s suit but it's it's iconic it's memorable everyone loves it and it's like classic who you see past all those things because you love the story i so i did google when okay. i was watching the tv show and because i was like, oh, it kind of reminded me of like i guess more the meme of kind of kurt kind of dancing around with the gorn and the knife in his hand and kind of the the fight that kind of happens um and i was kind of wanting to like i was really intrigued to see what the what the modern take on a gorn was going to look like and i'll tell you what also i was looking for and i guess we'll probably get this in season two is i was looking for some klingons like i wanted to see like i just i kind of i felt like i wanted um some more bad guy presence yeah and i think i think partially one of the reasons they may have not done that was because of the the amount of presence they've played in in discovery that's my guess yeah that's um, fair. and also there are certain events in the original series that need to, because it's canon, obviously, um, that they need to play in the right order because there are there's an order in which species are met or events happen. So they may not be able to do... So like when they met the Romulans was a big deal. You know, they're like, oh, this is the first time we've seen a Romulan and they were all shocked about the pointy ears, you know, that they have to play things right. So I kind of like that because it because I know what you mean, but it would also be really easy to dive into some well-known things. And that's right. one of the things they've done here is they forced it to be, to be new. Like it definitely wouldn't be a criticism. I think from my point, it was more just, I was kind of like looking for it and it's left me wanting more for season two, which I think is great. My other question to you, Paul is how many seasons could a show like this, like how, how far could, because they're not that far behind the original series. To no, that's right. right. And particularly with some of the linkages, Unless they do some type of um, time jump, alternate universe, something or other, does it kind of feel like they might only be able to do a few seasons? Uh, I think 
I think for for starters, I think it will run for as many that they think it will be financially successful, regardless of how many years are there. And they might actually sort of um, stretch out the number of years that exist in the universe, regardless. But I understand it's six years before um, Kirk's earliest adventure in the in the Enterprise, so that gives them potentially six seasons. Uh, modern day Trek discoveries so far done four. Uh, Picard's doing three. Um, so who knows how long it might go? I think um, I maybe you know I'm speaking for myself, but I think overall there isn't too much hate for this series. There's been a lot of different reasons of hate for Discovery or whatever, but everyone seems to be on board with this, on board with the crew. There's always something special about the old uniform, the old ship that people get on board with. Um, so my guess, if I had to say right now, is if there's six years between now and Kirk. I reckon it's six seasons and maybe there's like a, a big, you know, maybe a, a seventh season possible crossover. Now that we have all of the characters established, maybe they could run a concurrent season. Um, you know, who knows? But it's 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 interesting because somewhere along the line, is, as you well know, Pike, Pike's gone burgers. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, look, I had a great time. I look forward to the, the next season question for you dan before we have the entire podcast about this show but um and also shout out shout out um i can never pronounce her family name rebecca remain is it uh who plays number one what's your what's your gut feel for where her, where the story's going with her character we better be getting her back paul um i think this is the thing i think pike is a man of his word and i think that he much like I think Kirk would, he will go to bat for her. And I don't see, like, I think she's going to be a, a critical part of future seasons. And I think this will just be a chance for them to kind of demonstrate a, a good tussle with Starfleet Command. Starfleet Command. Well well played. Well said. Um, is it, it right is. I, I'm, I'm impressed. Okay, I'm good. impressed. Um and just one little piece of trivia to leave you on before I move on to your stuff. Um, so this is the third Star Trek series that uses the the classic um, space, the Final Frontier speech. You know, Shatner did it with the original series, Patrick Stewart did it with Next Generation, and now Anson Mount did it with uh, with this series. Um, Anson Mount revealed that he recorded this speech uh, on the day that William Shatner flew into space um, on board the the New Shepard spacecraft. He did it the day that. Shatner went into space and I just thought that was kind of nice amazing just going back to this Una thing for a moment I I feel like given the you know the the enterprises out there discovering new planets helping people I feel like it feels like a real kind of you know small issue to actually have to take someone away from the crew considering the kind of ultimately dangerous work they're doing if that person's already like vouched for by the captain like yeah you might have broken some rules but is this a kind of a like it seems so dire yeah I, that maybe that plot point was um just dialed up for the sake of plot because yeah it it does seem that way um it's also you know this this ship has a mission it's a you know a five-year missions supposedly is like what's the um what's the the rationale that they can 
obviously as humans, as people, they would want to do that. But as staff officers, they have a duty. And so can they just go off to save their friends? Because we, you know, we all know what happened when Kirk did that. You know, they all got demoted. Let's not go down that rabbit hole, Dan. It's too deep into the law for me. I, I think either way she'll be back. Um, I, I look forward to seeing how this kind of gets it's kind of weaved into the the story for the next season. So that is uh, Strange New Worlds. If you're in New Zealand, it is airing on TVNZ Plus and kudos to them because, you know, unlike other shows, um, we haven't had to wait. We've been watching it as it drops weekly. Um, so that's that's great for us. We don't always get that. Mm. Very good. Well, is that that's that's, that's, that's it for me? What for you? What have you got, Dan? What have you been watching other than Star Trek? Well, I guess first of all, I'm going to keep us in the space genre, and I'm going to talk about a, a Star Wars book that I've read in your absence. Paul. Oh yes, this is uh, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. This book came out in 2019, and it's basically a almost kind of a bit of a prequel, I guess, to the Phantom Menace because it's it's very much about Obi-Wan um, is still a, a Padawan to Qui-Gon Jinn and it kind of talks about their their journey and their kind of relationship and I think what's kind of really interesting about it having particularly come off the, the Obi-Wan TV show is Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon do not have the greatest of relationships. Mm. Um, Qui-Gon's basically like He's ne- he's never really connected with Obi Wan. Um, they're not kind of working in sync. Uh, there's lots of kind of challenges there. Uh, Qui Gon gets a, a promotion to the to the to the council, and we know what happens when people you know get a bit salty about who gets promoted to Correct. the on the council. And he makes a, a bit of a, an error, and he doesn't tell Obi Wan about this. He he goes away to basically think about this new appointment. They get sent off on a mission together. Obi-Wan kind of finds out about it. He's he's devastated and heartbroken that um, his master wouldn't tell him because it basically means that he would no longer be his master. Um, and sort of a whole sort of series of events kind of play out from there. But what's kind of fascinating about it is Qui-Gon is – so he's he's very deep into the prophecy, which yeah. we already knew, but he's – you know, he studied under um, – uh, Dooku himself, and Dooku was a big, um, big fan of the prophecies. Uh, this isn't really a, an area that Obi Wan has sort of got into heavily at this point. Uh, Obi Wan feels like Qui Gon's kind of holding him back. He keeps him only in one sort of uh, lightsaber stance form the whole time he's been training him. Uh, Obi Wan sort of thinks that he's he's not a great Jedi. He's failing. Um, why can't he build a relationship? Like he's got a whole bunch of kind of like self doubt, confidence, anxiety issues going on, and it kind of was interesting because it kind of made me think more about Obi Wan from the series, where again he's kind of going back into that mindset like. I'm not a Jedi. I failed Anakin. Um, it's my fault that everything collapsed. And he's very much got the same mindset here where he's just, he's so unsure of himself. And they basically end up sort of the whole book premises around going to solve a, almost kind of a bit of a, a mini kind of murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qui-Gon sort of having these premonitions about what's going to happen at this um, this royal event and there's kind of all sorts of sort of plot twists and turns but it was a it was a 
a good read and it gave me a really great kind of appreciation for I guess Qui-Gon as a as a Jedi and the approach that he was using and and just I think it built a lot of empathy for Obi-Wan which in you know kind of on surface value particularly from the movies Obi-Wan's always seen as such a solid dependable character but here it kind of it showed some some weaknesses in the armor and it was it was not good that that happened but it it was insightful great timing to to read this down I think because as you say coming off of Obi-Wan and of course I don't know if I should mention things that happen in that because people may not but you know how that episode how that final episode ends um I think it's uh, it's really poignant timing to because when we when you think about the relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and the Phantom Menace and you, you sort of you see them arrive and and the hoods come off and they've been mates forever is is the story that we're we're thinking but that's not the case and they Claudia Gray really tapped into the the the, the psyche of of Qui-Gon particularly well um she she does well with with Obi-Wan as well but I think with with Qui-Gon just the the obsession with the you know the the history of the Jedi and and the script is it the scripts or the scrolls whatever you know, all of the the texts all of the things he's 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 deep into it and I think that that's a key part of him. That's why he was so obsessed with Anakin in the moment he met him. It's a, it's a really interesting dive into that. And of course, as you say, he's been trained by Dooku and of course Dooku was trained by Yoda and there's all those things that come through. It's, um, it's a perfect time to read this. Uh, I read it not long after it came out. So this is a good two and a half years ago, I think for me, maybe. It's interesting too because um, even with Qui-Gon going on to the council, he's talking to various council members about his appointment and there's one person who doesn't want him on the council and that's Master Yoda. And it's like I've never come across, you know, like again, like Master Yoda's always hard, but he black and white says to Qui-Gon, I don't think you're ready for the council. And But he's like, I'm going with it because that's what everyone else has decided. And it's kind of these like real heartbreaking moments where even Qui-Gon's like, God, Master Yoda doesn't think I'm ready, but it's still kind of happening. But I'll tell you, Paul, the the absolute deepest thing about this, which has kind of got me really thinking about it, is because Qui-Gon is so heavy in the prophecies, prophecies, right? Like he, in the prophecies, he knows, like in this book, he, he has a, he, he has sort of a false vision of something that's going to happen. This comes to be. This further reinforces his desire that I need to go away and keep studying the prophecies. We are going to find the chosen one, blah, blah, blah. That will lead on to um, obviously discovering Anakin. And you can see why then in a Phantom Menace he's so passionate about it. But again, I think he truly puts everything around the prophecies, like what will be, will be. And it made me think, you know how at the end of Phantom Menace, spoiler alert, Qui-Gon dies. I think he knew he was going to die. And I've always wondered, right. like, did Qui-Gon, um, you know, like he kind of, like he gets he gets stabbed through the chest, but it kind of, like he's such a good fighter and it just kind of seemed like such a an easy takedown and it's always been like, damn it, Qui-Gon, like why did you kind of give up? But now when I think about it in the context of this book, he, he knew that was his fate. He knew that he had to die for Obi-Wan to train Anakin, for Anakin to become the chosen one. Like it's like he obviously couldn't see the whole kind of timeline, but it just got me thinking so differently about the, the whole universe. I love that. I love that whole thought process. Um he because we've seen other people survive being stabbed maybe a couple of times recently with a lightsaber. And so 
why didn't Qui-Gon? So that, that adds another bit of weight to that argument, which I haven't heard before. I think it makes sense. I think the other thing you, you picked up on in terms of Yoda saying he's not ready, that's another sort of, you know, nod of the head to, to Claudia Gray as the author because she picked up on that part of the relationship that we do see in The Phantom Menace. We, you know, we can sort of see how he's arguing with Qui-Gon and he's pushing too hard. And then even at the end, Obi-Wan, you know, Yoda says to him, oh, Qui-Gon's defiance, need that, you do not, or whatever. You know, he's, um, so I, I really like those bits he picked up on. I was just refreshing myself on some of the, the, the story with the uh, uh, Princess Fanry and um, Raul Avaros and that whole that whole story, rail, rail, rail of Avaros as a, as a force sensitive human who was a Jedi as well. But he's like, he's like a, he's like the, if you could imagine if top, if um, not top, if Tom Cruise was a Jedi, it's kind of like, that's how that character comes out. He's just cool and plays it easy and the rules are there. And he's so the opposite of, of Qui-Gon. It was another really interesting character to, to bring into the mix. Yeah, no, definitely. It was the, the whole thing was was so well done. It was kind of a book I was unsure about going into, but I was confident because uh, Claudia Gray was behind it, and um, every book that I've read that she's been behind mm. has been has been amazing. So I knew it was going to be good from that point of view. I just wasn't sure I was I was ready for this story, but totally worth it. One thing I did want to add, and I just found this out today, um, is just to kind of rebuild a little bit of that Qui Gon Yoda um, relationship in. Um, Empire Strikes Back, when, uh, wait, Empire or Jedi? Oh my god, I'm going to make a fool of myself. Let's just say, when Yoda is in his hut and he passes away, must be Return yep. of the Jedi. Jedi. The blanket that he pulls over himself is Qui-Gon's robe. Oh, see, there you go. That is nice. And so that that comes out of um, a Star Wars book. It's, it's some short stories called Star Wars from a Certain Point of View. And I, I just love that. I love that even though they've got these tensions, like none of it's actually personal. It's like, are you ready for the council? Are you, you know, like, and I think it's just what a, what a beautiful little uh, connection. It is a beautiful there. connection. On that note, from a certain point of view, that is such a good read. That's 40 short stories to celebrate the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. And it's basically the entire story of A New Hope. But the entire story is told from the point of view of other characters who are almost in the background. And it's absolutely fascinating. And that's another um, another way you can um, read a little bit of um, Claudia Gray as well. Because there's only a few more novels that she's written um, for you to dive into now, Dan. And... I'm hoping you're going to go with Bloodline because that's another one I really like. It's definitely on the on the watch list, so I, I will be checking that out at some point. So yeah, no, this is uh, Master and Apprentice, a great Star Wars book, particularly if you're a fan of the prequels. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Um, highly recommended to check it out. Nice. And then I've watched one other thing, uh, a TV show. So noting we're we're so behind tonight, Paul. We've been so deep in the the Star Treks and the Star Wars and the this is a, a TV show that it's pretty new to um, Prime Video called The Terminal List. This stars uh, Chris Pratt and it's the whole season has just dropped and it's basically, it's about a Chris Pratt plays a former Navy SEAL um, officer and he is investigating a a situation where his whole platoon was ambushed um, during a high-stakes covert mm-hmm. mission. And it's a real kind of 
um, cat and mouse, the fugitive type vibe to it where so you, you've got Chris Pratt who like who I would traditionally think of as sort of someone who leans more into into comedy. This is definitely not a comedy. This is quite a sort of serious uh, action drama thriller um, type series. And so he was the commander of a platoon. It all goes wrong. He basically gets back on American soil, um, st- starts to kind of question what's happening like cover-ups start taking place. He starts to question his own memory of it. He has to sort of go on a a, a, a sort of detective hunt, um, as you would imagine someone with a, a certain set of skills might do, like basically working his way through you know, various sort of government agencies, big corporations, trying to unpick what's actually happened. And the whole time there's all these kind of other other events kind of how stable is Chris Pratt's character? You know, are, are his memories actually accurate? Did these things happen the way he remembered? Who's kind of guilty? And it was a like I watched this over you know over the weekend, and it was a a great little watch. I would probably say this is a, a ten episode TV show, maybe two episodes too mm. long. Um, it could have probably been a little bit shorter because each episode is definitely a uh, close to a good hour. But it was a like. Chris Pratt fully leans into this role. He takes it very seriously. He, you know, he really kind of shows you that he's sort of this this military presence. He doesn't sort of joke around. There's no sort of, as I say, there's no sort of comedy to it. And it's it's quite a good story. I, I understand it's based on a book. I think they've perfectly set it up for a season two. Um, it's kind of one of those difficult shows to talk about though without kind of rev- I don't want to reveal too much about the the big plot points of it but it's a if you like your military thrillers this is probably one that you can Yeah this this is on the list and I I've been waiting to see if anyone sort of watched it and can give me a, a spoiler light review so it's a great job I've listened to this podcast because because um that's exactly what you've done and I see it's rating high um the 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 plot is just enough to draw me in straight away. The quality of the the images that I've seen, um, I did see the the trailer. I think I saw it on Prime actually. The cast, it's got everything there that for me, um, I think, yeah, eight so it was eight episodes an hour. So that's another that's another big sort of investment in terms of time. But um, it sounds like it's worthwhile. It's an interesting one as well because, and I think Bruce Gray might have asked us this once previously on the pod, this actually on Rotten Tomatoes gets a 39% um, from the critics, but it gets a 95% from the the audience rating. And I think it's probably kind of reflected as in, you know, this is like, there is some over-the-top action scenes in this. There's some pretty intense action scenes and it depends on how serious you like your stories. Like it's, as I say, it's not not comedic, but it is very kind of like intense. And I, I wonder, from a, a critic point of view, it maybe didn't quite have the 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 depth to some of the storytelling. But I think for me, I think it actually bridges that quite nicely, and kind of rides that middle line of telling you a decent story, giving you some good action set pieces. Most episodes have kind of got a a big kind of event that happens in there, and we definitely found ourselves we'd watch one episode and it would kind of just. Um, fill in another blank, fill in another puzzle piece, but kind of leave you wanting more. So I think in that sense, it, it's doing all the right things. And it was a real kind of surprise and delight to see Chris Pratt 
play this song. Mm. I mean, he's definitely got that in his locker now, right? You know, he's he's moved on so far from when I think about him as Andy in Backs and Recreation. He's, you know, uh, most recently, for me at least, would have been the Tomorrow War movie that, um, you know, we watched. I, I, I really like him. He's always funny. Um, although there's not many smiles on his face, you know, when you look at the, as you say, he's, he's dead serious in this show. Is it the sort of series that when you, when you watch an episode, you're like, Oh, should we watch one more? Or does it feel like it's so full on you'd want to leave it and leave it a while and come back to it later? No, no, I think, I think it is. I want to watch one more because you're constantly trying to work out, um, what, who's kind of the, who's the big bad and who's kind of, who's kind of telling the truth and who's kind of important in the TV show. So it's very easy to binge. Um, I think by the end you're kind of like, okay, let's kind of, let's wrap it up. So um, I think it probably had a, did you say eight eight episodes? I think I might have said 10 earlier on. I think maybe, so maybe six would have been the sweet spot for me because I think maybe in that sort of five, episode five, six, it kind of, feels like oh we're, we're getting to the end but we're not yeah. quite there um but the other thing i'd say about the tv show is it's the way it's kind of color graded is it's very dark like we were constantly like is our tv brightness turned up well enough but every scene is is very like blue hues yeah. and dark rooms and stuff and it's always kind of makes me laugh like when you particularly in, like in a, in a military setting you go and see the admiral of the base and like they're pretty much in a blacked out room it's their office like have you ever been to meet someone for when everything's blacked out like it's it's just so unrealistic and so sort of so drama rich but look it's a it's a good tv show check it out on prime video if this sort of spins your wheels all of my one-on meetings with my manager always i walk into a dark room and then She's just in the corner of the room smoking a cigarette, so it's just pretty realistic. I um, I think there's a few shows, and I don't know why I'm associating it to Prime Video, where they have that blue hue across. The, um, mm. It seems to be quite a common look, but um, no, that's awesome. I I would not be surprised if I'm bringing this to the pod myself in a, maybe a, a few weeks or so, and we can revisit it. Well, yeah, when you do, let's have a bit of a, a deep dive into those spoilers, and that'll give the the listeners a chance to maybe check it out. For as sure. Well. All right, shall we uh, jump into the movie of the week? Indeed. So every week we take it in turns, choose a movie to watch and review. We announce what that movie will be a week in advance over in our Discord community, which you can join if you'd like by clicking on the link that appears in the show notes of your podcast here. And this week, Dan, uh, we have gone with brand new Netflix movie, The Grey Man. I'm uh, when this movie came through as an option, Paul. Consider me excited. It's got my boy Ryan Gosling. Big fan of the Drive movie. Anything that's Ryan Gosling's, and I'm, I'm definitely including Barbie. So, and look, I'm there for it. You know, if he wants to do a Barbie movie, I'll, I'll go and check it out. And from the pictures I've seen, looks incredible. So the the sort of synopsis of this show is when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets. A psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt for in, by international assassins. And so stars Ryan Gosling as, as kind of our, our hero. His codename is Six. It's got um, Chris Evans, who you may know as Captain America, as kind of our core bad guy. We've got um, Billy Bob Thornton as a as another sort of like key character of this whole story. But I'll tell you the greatest thing of all of this, Paul, is Chris Evans as a bad guy 
so, so good. I loved how I love the banter between him and Ryan Gosling. I love kind of their attitude towards each other. I love their fight scenes. Like this movie is, it's got like very little substance, but I had a fantastic time and I just, I loved it. So I'm the much. same because it's funny because it is a Ryan Gosling movie, but of course, Chris, Chris Evans, he's on the front cover with him as well. We've never we've never done a peak performance on him, but I tell you what, I think this very easily would be mine for him. He was taking each of his lines and having so much fun with it. He was hilarious. I've never enjoyed him as much as this movie, but he he took that humor and he made it work in a serious way too to keep because the movie is it's a serious movie, but he used the humor well and um, yeah, as you said, little substance, a lot of action. A lot of fast direction, a lot of which I really enjoyed, um, but really good time. And because the basic premise here is so Ryan Gosling's character um, is basically like they're pulled out of prison, they're trained to be the the best uh, CIA dark agent operative and they, they get all this training and so Ryan Gosling's character like you get this really kind of like small glimpse into you've been selected we don't really know why we don't even see him have training we just get to kind of a time jump 18 years later he's a complete badass the whole movie's directed by Joe and Anthony Russo who did an incredible job on uh, Avengers Endgame and it's it's just kind of action-packed from start start to finish and I think it's another movie I think may have been a smidge too long um, at, at yep. two hours and two minutes. Like it kind of would have been nice to maybe shave about 20 minutes off it just because it kind of felt like it just kept going and going and going with more over-the-top things. But on the flip side, I was having such a great time. I just I didn't really mind too much. And I even loved Chris Evans making a, a Barbie doll joke to yeah. um, Ryan Gosling Very during clever, the movie. Right? It was good a good show. one. No, I made two notes for criticisms. I put um, 15 to 20 minutes too long. As much as I enjoyed it, I think it was maybe 15 long. And the other thing I thought whilst I'm talking criticisms was I just thought the special effects were a little bit second rate at times. And I think they tried to compensate for the dodgy special effects with with the style. Of, so I really enjoyed the style of direction. You know, there were these hard angle turns the camera was making. It was fast and hectic, but maybe it was done overly so sometimes to compensate for maybe some mid-budget because i think a lot of the budget would have gone on on cast because i i think for a netflix movie i think this is one of the the top rate casts i've seen in netflix i put this right up there with like um uh i cannot remember the name of the movie dan you have to help me out here um we had jared leto denzel washington and rami malek Oh, yeah, I was just looking at this movie today, but you said yeah. another one you mean. And, I, um, the name's gone. And so, yeah, I think because, you know, because as you say, Ryan Gosling really impressed me in this time, in this type of role. Uh, Chris Evans, um, Rene Jean Page uh, as Carmichael was also really good. Um, so much so, I wasn't sure if he was putting on an American accent or if he was actually an American and had been putting on a British accent the whole time he was the lead in Bridgerton. Um, so, you know, they they were good. Um, Anna de Amaris, who we most recently saw in No Time to Die, she was good. Jessica Henwick, um, who I haven't seen her. My goodness, I, I don't think I've seen her now since she was actually in Iron Fist. Um, probably the first time I saw her. I thought she was good. Just across the board, really good. Yeah, it's um, I think 
a really sort of interesting cast there because I, I think you're right and it's it's a good shout. I think they've spent the bulk of the budget on getting a couple of big names in there. They've then kind of padded it out with a few kind of, no offence to these actors and actresses, but kind of like mid-tier actors. Um, it's kind of relying on those 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 bigger names to carry the franchise. And they've maybe sort of had to shave a little bit of money off that effects budget. But all in all, and just another fantastic movie. And I think another great example um, of on Rotten Tomatoes, this has got a, a 48% tomato meter score, but a, a 91% audience score. So again, I think what the people are looking for is a, is a good popcorn action movie. And I think this, this kind of ticks those boxes. Yeah, no, 100%. And in, and in the IMDb top 100 that I often refer to, um, it's trending at number one. I mean, that's that's how much it's trending. Mm. Um, you know, also, Billy Bob Thornton, you know, he... He was good in this. He was really strong in the lead in the, at the start because, of course, he was quite central at that point as well. So he was also really enjoyable. Alfred Woodard. Um, there was just across the board some really good casting. And the one which got me the most, and I didn't spot it, and Diana did. Fair play. I just couldn't see it. Wagner Mora, um, his character. So he was the character who caught uh, six and he fell down the well, you know, down the, I, I could not, because oh, yeah. of course, when I think of him, I think of Pablo Escobar and Narcos and I just, and he mm. was, he was really good as well. I feel like then, I feel like there is a sequel to be, to be had here because there's enough going on. Um, my question for you though, what did you think about the special effects? were they good were they bad were they the same character same sort of uh what was the word like the the tiger in the walking dead or were they not that bad oh look i they weren't bad enough for me to get sort of outraged at a a walking dead because when i think about that special effects right like you've kind of got you've got the walking dead maybe at the very bottom of the barrel when they literally don't care and then you know on on the flip side you've got movies like you know like the avengers and you know they're really investing heavily in, in a lot of scenes and i think this kind of it didn't like i did notice that there was a little bit of a, a drop every now and again but i think they they tried to work within the constraints that they had so it didn't it didn't bother me too much and i think in a movie like this often sort of give it a little bit of a pass and i think too because uh joan anthony russo also did another netflix movie um called extraction Mm -hmm. from memory with um chris hemsworth and you know so again like they're kind of drawing on their uh, I imagine their network and their connection from having these having these great actors sort of that they previously worked with, so they they know they're working on 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 something good together. And I think you're right. This is perfectly set up for a franchise. I may have some some news to share on this at the news desk. Awesome. On the subject of the Russo brothers, they've got Extraction Two in post production with Chris Hemsworth. That's ready to come out soon as well. So um, these guys are firing. Um, I like. I think. In terms of like, if you like this, you might like this. Then I think for me, there's there's a, there's elements of Bond, there's elements of Mission Impossible, there's even maybe an element of Jason Bourne. I don't know. I was going to say Jason Bourne yeah. would be the other other one. Yeah, I'd throw I think in there. I think it, it's it's kind of a cocktail, yeah. right? Like it's like we've taken a little bit of each one of these movies. Um, I do think a lot of it for me came down to, I think, that great relationship between Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. I think if that wasn't there, if we didn't have another, I think, big dog for Ryan Gosling to play off against, I don't know if this would have worked as well. But I think because 
I think Chris Evans is, you know, the pe- people love that guy just as much as Ryan Gosling, and I think it, it needed that for this movie to oh, work. Just superb, and you know, minor spoilers. One of the lines when they're just like having a go at each other, and he was just he said, "Oh yeah, the trash stash," because he did have this really quite awful moustache and just to call it out like that there was just there's so many lines between the two of them that was um it 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 it, it just danced that line so well because it was hilarious but it still kept the intensity of the scene i think for me a, a good test of a movie like this like a a good popcorn action movie is would i watch it again and i 100 percent think i would like I, w- I could easily see myself sitting down you know, in six months, a year from now, and 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 watching it again because I, I just had a great time. Six is an odd name, but as he said, 007 was taken. Yeah, that's right. It, even that's kind of interesting, right? You could you can see the opportunity there for kind of spin-offs and additional stories. So I guess the big question, Paul, what does this get on the guns akimbo scale? It just didn't disappoint me because I came into it knowing it was going to be popcorn type. And so, as you say, it, there wasn't too much substance there, but that's okay. I didn't need the substance. It gave me everything I wanted from this movie. So I'm going all the guns on this. I agree. I'm, I'm all the guns as well. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, just to use um, for all mankind as an example, right? Like you have to sit down and really savor and enjoy every episode. Sometimes you just want to take it, you know, let the handbrake off pump the gas, have a great time. And I think this ticked all those boxes for me as well. 100%. So that is The Grey Man. That's available on Netflix and it's only just out. So if you haven't already, definitely definitely check it out. Dan, of everything we've watched and talked about this week, what's your pick of the week? It's a, it's a tough call for me, actually. I... I'm kind of torn because on one hand I want to say Strange New Worlds because I, I did have such a great time with it. But I also, I just had such a, uh, I had a great time reading the book. I had a great time watching this movie. I, You know what? Because it's getting such a hard time by the critics, I'm going to give it to The Grey Man oh, yeah. this week. Fair call, fair call. For me, it's really tough because bear in mind, I just rewatched my number one show, 2021. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think because it's already earned the number one spot and it's a rewatch, I'm I'm I am gonna go with Strange New Worlds because it has been twenty years since since I've been delivered a Star Trek series that has ticked as many boxes as this and it's it's been a long time since, as I say, Scott Bakula was captain of the Enterprise for me to be getting something of that level again. It's a it's like when you have a if you're a Doctor Who fan and you're a fan of a particular Doctor and then maybe another Doctor comes in who you're not a fan of, maybe you're going to have to wait three or four years and then you get your next Doctor and maybe you like them. It's been a long, long wait for a track series of this nature, so that's my pick of the week. Good shout and a great watch. Shall I uh, jump us on over to Let's the news go. desk? All right, so a little bit on the news desk today. So first of all, I guess a bit of sad news with the recent passing of uh, David Warner, who played a role in Star Trek, Tron, a whole bunch of other great movies, unfortunately passed away at the age of 80 from a cancer-related illness. So definitely our regrets from the Half Half Measures podcast on that. Very sad times. He played three characters in Star Trek. He was in two movies and he was in The Next Generation and he's just... It was just absolutely superb. And another shout for him, Wallander. He plays Wallander's father and he is sensational in that TV series. Mm. 
I think it's, you know, sometimes, you know, we talk about this all the time, but I think he's one of those those classic faces and those classic um, actors that just kind of appears in so many things. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's a shame. Um, what have we got here? So let's, let's actually carry on with a bit of the Grey Man. So it's confirmed that we're getting a, a sequel and it's going to be with Ryan Gosling and it's going to be um, directed by the Russo brothers. And they're also currently exploring a, a spin-off show. So, and you could see... Um, so obviously um, the movie is sort of going to be where Ryan Gosling and co are kind of going to be mainly playing, but you could see uh, easily sort of moving into a, you know, here's one, two, three, four, five, you know, eight and nine of the, the various um, agents that they might create. You could see them sort of, you know, working through the sort of Jason Bourne type program of what they yeah. might do. So very exciting times. I think it's, it's, great win they can kind of make this announcement hot on the heels of having a, a lot of great i guess fan reception the other bit of news i've got for you there's obviously been comic-con over the weekend and we have had huge huge announcements for um particularly marvel fans um and they've announced the phase five and phase six of the the Marvel uh, Universe. So just I want to run through very quickly the upcoming uh, movies and TV shows that you're going to find on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so the first movie we're going to get, or the next movie, um, is we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, Quantumania, we've got Secret Invasion, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, we've got Loki Season 2, we've got Echo, we've got the Marvels, we've got Blade um, coming later next year, we've got Ironheart, Agatha and the Coven of Chaos, plus Paul, plus we've got Daredevil, Born Again, 18 episodes, can't freaking wait, going to be amazing. Uh, we've got Captain America and the New World Order, we've got Thunderbolts, we've got Fantastic Four, we've got two Avengers movies, The King Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars, and that'll kind of see us all the way out to Phase 6. So we're just about to end Phase 4. Um, so Phase 4 will conclude with the um, new Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever, and then we'll be jumping into the 5 and 6. And often these timelines do move around the, a little bit as various delays happen, but it's like a, I just love how much they're kind of thinking out this whole this whole sort of multiverse and how it all connects together and, and they're kind of thinking two phases ahead, which I think is exciting time. That's what really differentiates and puts it that one step ahead is is just the planning ahead and just keep and that's what you know people say oh there's too much stuff out there it'll be saturated people won't the numbers beg to tell a different story you know it's um it's it's how it all fits together that actually makes the law even more appealing and you know the internet kind of does its thing right like the internet will create pathways for you to get in on stories that you're interested in, kind of start anywhere in the universe that you want to. But if you want it, the the whole gambit is there for you. But speaking of Comic-Con, there's also been a huge number of um, trailers and announcements that have come out of it. So we've got a whole new trailer for Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It looks like it's going to be a, a great, fun movie. Uh, we've got trailers for National Treasure, uh, Edge of History, Gotham Knights, um, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Season 3 uh, we've got new trailers for Lord of the Rings The Rings of Power uh, there's more Marvel stuff with I Am Group, we've got John Wick um, 
the fourth movie. Mm. We've got Black Adam on the D- DC side. We've got the Sandman official trailer that's coming very soon to Netflix. We've got um, trailers for She-Hulk. We've got trailers for Black Panther. We've got trailers for Anne Rice's interview with the vampire. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just been dropping. So if you're interested in any of those things, I'd, I would get yourself over to YouTube and, and check out some of those trailers. But do do be warned, obviously, trailers do reveal a lot. So do take it with a grain of salt. And we've had a, a, a ton of Walking Dead news. So we've had a, we've got a Walking Dead Season 11 trailer. Looks interesting. We've got a trailer for The Walking Dead. Uh, what are they calling this? Tales of The Walking Dead. Six new tales, Paul. There's a whole bunch of other Walking Dead stuff, but to be honest, I I haven't felt the need to click those buttons. So th- there's a lot out there. There's a lot of Walking Dead stuff, and I I did see the tales of the Walking Dead. I haven't watched any of them, and I didn't watch the, the final season of the Walking Dead trailer either. I'm just going to go in completely cold to that as well. But um, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, all that stuff you mentioned before, by the way, I mean, just it, there's so much stuff. I just, I just suddenly realized, of course, that Daredevil series, I'm going to have to get on board with that. The, I think the Daredevil is probably my my most kind of like hyped thing coming in that, in that um, Marvel lineup. I'm a little bit sad that, you know, we're, we're probably two years away from watching mm. that series, but I do love that they've already said it's going to be 18 episodes. I'm intrigued to see with Daredevil – how much they kind of pick up from the existing series um, and how much is kind of a bit of a, a soft reboot. But either way, I think, you know, Daredevil is such a, a fan favorite character. It's just going to be exciting to see Charlie Cox um, dom the suit one There's more time. There's a wormhole of a conversation we could get drawn into. But for me, if you're bringing him in, then I need I need John Bernthal. I need him as Punisher. I need, I, I can't remember the name of the actor and the actress, but the the ones that were in the law firm with him, um, those two, you know, I, yeah, and I think, oh, well, this is the exciting thing too. Like, so Thunderbolts, um, you know, there's various, I haven't done too much sort of looking into what version of Thunderbolts they're doing here, but Thunderbolts in the comics, you can have Punisher, you can have Daredevil, you can have Electra. like the, the oh, pieces yeah, Electra, are all there yeah. to kind of bring some of these characters together. And so that is me, I think, you know, the, the a lot of the news has come out of Comic-Con, a lot of it is trailer related, so... If you're interested, those are just, you know, and I'm probably not even covering all of it. Those are some of the, the main ones that have been dropping. Yeah, John Wick 4 is another big highlight there as well. Like, uh, that's that's always a treat, John Wick. Um, the other things that came out of um, Comic-Con that really caught my eye, so Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 is going to do a crossover episode with Star Trek Lower Decks, which Lower Decks is an animated, out-and-out comedy show. It settles the conversation and the poll we had a long time ago about whether Lower Decks was indeed canon or not, Um, because the instant something appears in live action, there's never any doubt about it. So that's exciting. Um, But the big one for me uh, was the teaser trailer for Star Trek Picard. Um, We have the Blues Brothers situation. We've got the whole band getting back together, all the main cast from the 1987 to 93 Next Generation series uh, are back with Picard. Riker, Worf, Crusher, Troy. I mean, there's another way they're going to bring the actor who played Data back in, but that for me is, that's, if it's your number one show of all time and it was from the 80s and 90s, you think it's done, I never thought I'd see the day. Um, So that's really exciting. And the other thing I was going to mention, Dan, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the guy who played K2SO, Alan 
Tudyk, is it? Tudyk? Tudyk, yeah. He's voicing Optimus Prime in an animated Transformers show that's coming out. Quite exciting. And I think we've all, I haven't checked it out either because I'm kind of in a bit of a, a, a personal lockdown over this. But there's also been a bit of new Andor content as well. Yes. Um, coming out. So that's, again, like I'm, consider me yeah. hyped, Paul. I'm, 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 I'm here the same for as that. you, hyped and lockdown as well because we are now, at the time of the release of this podcast, one month to the day that that series comes out. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm so hyped. I can't wait. It's It's, it's such a... Keeping us going through these long, cold winter months. I think that's the thing. Like, there's just so much. You know, I feel like we had the, we had the global pandemic. Everything kind of went a bit slow. Now I feel like we're we're pumping stuff out. We're back in full. Like, there's lots of good stuff coming. Hundred percent. All right. Anything in the mailbag? Um, pretty quiet because, of course, we've had a couple of weeks of Star Wars episodes. But Ian Perry. Uh, then who played Brian McClay in the movie you watched Caliber. Um, he, mm. he shared our review or your review, sorry, of, of, of Caliber uh, on Instagram. We had Stephen Stanton, who is the actor who's voiced Tarkin in Bad Batch. He's voiced Obi-Wan in Rebels. He played one of the Pike Syndicate in the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, he shared our Rogue One review on Twitter because, of course, he also provides the voice of Admiral Radis. So he must be like Star Wars royalty because to be across so many characters and series and movies is is amazing. It must be so good when you when you literally voice hundreds of characters. Like you've probably always got work. He, he fascinates me to the point where I actually IMDb stalked him just to see how he got started. He started get this. His first gig was a digital camera operator on the movie Batman Returns, and he's he's just wow. gone on and on. And he found a. a a career in voices so that was that was pretty cool um and then yeah the only other thing was the the last peak performance we did was was Anne Hathaway and we had two suggestions came through we had Jason from Potterer went with The Witches uh, which was a movie we watched not not too long ago yeah Watch I thought up. so too and um and Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast uh, his 321 for Anne Hathaway was Les Miserables uh, Devil Wears Prada and Interstellar that's our mailbag then Great shout. Well, let's uh, jump on over to our peak performances, shall we? Indeed. So much like our movie of the week, every week Dan and I take it in turns to have a look at someone in the movie TV industry and look back at their career and pick out what we think is their best. And uh, this week, Dan, you've put on the table Billy Bob Thornton. I have indeed, and I think, you know, Billy Bob Thornton is one of those actors who, like, I feel like he's got a real type of character he likes to play. Like, he likes to kind of play a bit of the a-hole. <laughs> he likes to kind of, like, often, you know, play the bit of the drunk or a bit of the, the bad guy. And it's every now and again he doesn't play that role, and it always kind of surprises me, but it, I think he's got a he's got a great back catalogue. So for my honourable mention this week, Paul, this one might be a little bit off, off the – off the grid here i'm going with the 2003 movie bad santa and as far as christmas movies go this is one of my favorites i watch this most years um whenever they sort of talk about christmas movies because i just i don't know what it is there's something about this movie that just resonates me i i love that you know that the whole premise of the movie is basically billy bob thorne being the sort of drunk santa who you know does robberies each year and he kind of has this whole kind of system um, built up with his friends and it all kind of obviously 
doesn't go to plan and there's all there's all sorts of hijinks, but it's a uh, as far as Christmas movies go, this one, it's right up there for me. Incredible. I've never seen it or the sequel, but you've really if you're watching this every Christmas now, I'm I've got to be on board. I think you'll like it. I, I can't speak for Bad Santa Two, but Bad Santa One, top quality. Let, let's get it on the list for this holiday season. But for my peak performance, I'm actually gonna give it to um Billy Bob Thornton for his role in a TV show for season one of Fargo. And in in season one of Fargo, Billy Bob Thornton's character, Lorne Melvo, he basically plays the kind of the ultimate bad guy, to be honest. He not only is, you know, doing terrible things, he takes great pleasure in kind of offending people, like really kind of like just picking fights with people, going above and beyond to be a bit of an a-hole. And I think it really kind of encapsulates the the type of character he likes to play. I think Fargo itself, fantastic um, TV show. Obviously, each season's got a bit of a, a different um, plot and twist. And I think then when you pair Billy Bob Thornton up with, uh, you know, the legendary Martin Freeman, I just think incredible combo. Some podcasts have shared notes. We don't. But it's almost as if this week we have because – I'll jump straight to my peak performance off the back of that. I'm the same as you. 2014, Lorne Marvo, for me, was a real easy choice for me because I just enjoyed it so much. Season one of Fargo remains the best season of Fargo. Um, and Agreed. I think, as you say, opposite Martin Freeman and the way those two characters come together through a series of unfortunate events. He just, as you say, he plays that character so well. He's so chilling. There's there's no emotion or empathy. He's got no value. He's he's just a cold, so well written. And if it wasn't for the fact that, is it Colin or whatever, Tom Hanks' son, because he's the character who kills him, I would have been keen for a spinoff based on just on Billy Bob Thornton's. But that's not how Fargo works, of course. Look, even I think in kind of just deciding what was going to be my peak performance, just refreshing myself with Fargo made me feel like I want to do a rewatch. It's just such a a great, particularly of the first season. Just so good. Even got Bob Odenkirk. Yes. And actually, I was just, I also looked at it and I was just thinking, oh, you know, some of the other seasons with, you know, with um, Ewan McGregor, that was a great season. And I think one, two, and three really, really were right up there. But yeah, that was. That was also my peak performance. Um, really stood out for me. Um, my honourable mention, actually, I went all the way back to uh, 1997's U-Turn, um, which is a, a movie, actually, sort of, if you look at the poster, is um, Sean Penn and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> but um, in U-Turn, he, he plays this crazy mechanic and he he has um, like these this, these like really thick glasses and silver teeth and he just plays this character that really stresses out Sean Penn whose car's broken down and he has to he's desperate to get back on the road because of this murder and all the rest of it but Billy Bob Thornton just you know he rips half of the engine out of Sean Penn's car and it's it's so memorable although I haven't seen this movie since it came out I remember renting it uh, with a friend from Blockbuster Video in 97 uh, University. And just, I can still picture him now in this role and the way he's a real hillbilly, just sweaty, badly dressed. Just He just looked absolutely awful. And 
that was a yeah that was my uh honorable mention but yeah peak performance by some way season one of fargo awesome shout Paul. and like he's just he, i think billy bob thornton has so many like little great almost like cameo is probably their own word but like you know even his role in 1883 like one yeah. of our favorite tv shows and it's like he's only in it for a short time but it's it's always just kind of a, a standout role Absolutely. so i i really enjoy your shouts well paul that probably brings us to the end of a, another episode of the half measures podcast does indeed thanks uh for listening in it's great to have you join us if you only just recently started listening um we have now reviewed over 600 movies and tv shows on this podcast so if you're interested in listening to something we may have done in the past you can find out what we've already reviewed and what podcast you can find it in by going along to halfmeasurespodcast.com slash reviews it's all there um and of course do get in touch with us on our social media if you've got any suggestions for your peak performance with billy bob thornton Indeed. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Trisha Brady, Dinah Kanawa, and Linda Tevner. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show and have your name read out right here on the podcast, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.